Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful. And for the faithful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, you know, we're alive, man. In the deepest, darkest depths of the universe and eternity, we are alive. This is our time. So I feel okay. I'm good. We're playing Even hockey, though the winner's right? lost. Yeah, we're watching NHL hockey. I heard uh, Jeff Merrick of um, with Elliot Friedman, and he, and he talked about the, his excitement about the return of hockey. Mm-hmm. And he says it, it brings back time. Like, our days are rather amorphous, I think, you know? Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? Doesn't really just as long as you get stuff done. Like the, the rhythm of our the rhythm of our days is upset in a way maybe unknown in well I wouldn't shouldn't say unknown in human history. There's been all kinds of ruptures in human histories. This is actually a relatively minor one cons- compared to some of the big ruptures. But for us, this is confusing. And he said that it brings back time and that you're you have a sense whatever however days you're going you have something you look forward to at the end of the day and you're waiting for it. And there's that there is that rhythm that's returned to our lives, and I really think it's great that hockey is back. And I'm I'm not necessarily thrilled, of course, not with the Edmonton Oilers tonight, but I am thrilled with that. I think that's uh, it's great to have hockey back. Bruce, this is I'll say this much. Go ahead. Uh, I I enjoyed that game, and yeah. it must still be early in the season, but th- there was some good hockey played. <clears throat> A lot more of it by Montreal and Edmonton, but the speed of the game and the, and just the uh, the general intensity of it, you know, there was a lot of action in that game, and the better team won. So you can't be too upset. I'm, 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 I'm always reminded of that old uh, saw. I think Casey Stengel is credited for it, talking about baseball, of course. But where he says, you know, every season, a third of the games you're going to win, a third of the games you're going to lose, and it's what happens in the other third of the games that decides who's going to win the championship. And this was one of those third of the games that they were going to lose. Montreal had the hot pitcher in that, you know, uh, Carey Price. He was basically unbeatable tonight. And they were bringing their A game, and the Oilers were second best for uh, for most of the game, really. So there's no, you know, we can't be whining and complaining that they didn't get a break or they didn't get a call. They got beat. They got beat. There's lots of lessons to be learned out of that game. Let's hope they learned some of them. They got beat soundly, Bruce. Mm-hmm. They got drubbed. Was there one so, moment when you knew they were going to lose? When was the moment you knew or you felt? Did you have that moment? Because sometimes there's that moment. And I'm just trying to think. I did have the. I'm just trying to think what it was. <laughs> I think uh, for me, it was the power play that Edmonton had early in the second period. Mm-hmm. And Price stoned Dreisaitl on a couple. And I just thought, just ah. Like- Never going to get those goals. This back ain't. Against this ain't. Guy. This ain't going to happen. Because because Montreal, it, it was it was only one nothing then, but Montreal right. was just just so dominant. They just been so dominant up to that moment, and I just thought, ah, oh, it just feels like the order is going to lose. And lo and behold, a, a moment later, the Montreal scored again, and and it was over at that point. So Bruce, because this was a kind of a hideous loss, mm-hmm. you know, a decade of dark. The specter of the decade of darkness rose, you know, in the in the background. Our, you know, our Oilers fans, PTSD. We're going to do, we usually do two good things, two bad things, and two numbers, but we're going to do two bad things each tonight, along with sure. the, with our other repertoire. We always seem to start with the good things. Um, so let's start with uh, your good thing, Bruce, even though that might feel a little off. But what's your good thing? Oh, sure. I'm going to go with Kyler Yamamoto. Absolutely loving his game. 
Uh, loving his game in all three zones. He's just such a battler and fighter on the puck. And tonight he, he really grabbed my attention for some of his plays in the defensive zone uh, uh, in the first period when many around him were losing their heads. Uh, he made one uh, great defensive play where he not only recognized the danger man who was behind him and actually somebody else's job, but that somebody else had been beat. And and Yamamoto shaded into the position, got his stick in and disrupted the pass that looked like it was going to get slammed into the open net, basically. But because the right winger came all the way back below the hash marks to, to read and react and make the play, uh, it turned into nothing. And another play in the first period where Edmonton was having one hell of a time getting out of their own zone. Uh, <clears throat> and there was one long shift and finally the puck came over to Yamamoto's side. And I can't remember even all the details. I just remember thinking, boy, that's a heady play that he made along the boards and in the, in the uh, you know, below the hash mark in the defensive zone to, to actually beat his man and then make a calm play with the puck to get it out and get it out of trouble on, uh, and facilitate the line change. So those plays, one without the puck, one with the puck, but both just saw uh, this is a guy that's, you know, prepared to compete and do what it takes in his own end of the ice. And, of course, on the other end of the ice, he was uh, uh, he was dangerous man. He's just quick on the puck, eh? And when a chance gets created, he does something. He does stuff with it. So tonight, for instance, he, was, uh, he wasn't on for any goals or uh, for or against. But... Uh, his, his sheet reads like this. Three shots on net, two hits, three takeaways, one block shot. Nothing but good things. You and, know, according, and, and things without the puck, many of them. And according to our metrics on scoring chances, Bruce, mm-hmm. uh, which you're still reviewing, uh, right. he he made major contributions to four grade A scoring chances at even strength. Not one mistake against. So oh, that's a that's yeah. a very good evening for a winger. And yeah, if all the wingers... Solid in this game. <laughs> he, he was... Yeah, my good thing is Adam Larson. Uh, he, he's he been getting steadily better after Rancid uh, first game, uh, which he, I'm sure he would love to forget. You know, the owners need him, Bruce, to be Adam Larson. Who, who, like, when he, if he's healthy, he can be a pretty dominating hockey player. He can be a very good hockey player, and I thought he was tonight. He didn't make any uh, mistakes by my count. Again, you're going to review it, but uh, on grade A scoring chances against uh, at even strength. And uh, he made a couple contributions to chances for. He saved um, in the first period. There was a play where uh, Louis DeBrusque said Koskinen made a great save. But when I was looking at the replay, I'm pretty sure it was Larson who made the uh, the puck was going in and he stopped it from going in. Um, so he saved one on the goal line. He had six hits, I think, um, to lead the team. So he was out Four of Larson. block shots to also lead the team. Including that one that was a goal saver, as you say, where Koskinen was swimming around. He made Koskinen made one save while he was uh, flopping around on the beach, and then Larson made the second save in the same sequence. That whole first period was unreal. Montreal it seemed like they could have scored five goals in the first period alone. They got oh, one. Koskinen yeah. kept getting away with it, like he was puck was behind him. He didn't know where it was. He was out of position. He was scrap like he made some good emergency saves. But boy, after being having such a quiet game and being in such control the other night, this game started out anything but. 
Didn't, didn't get a lot better for him either, frankly. Yeah. You know, I was a little bit ticked off at the first Montreal goal, like that hand pass that Petra made to himself because it's just such mm-hmm. a fluky goal. But it was it, it was bound to come, Bruce, because yes, they've because totally there was so it. many there was so many dangerous moments. Even if there wasn't a ton of scoring Grady scoring chances necessarily, they were just threatening the whole time. They just you know that phrase, you know, from the decade of darkness, like Anaheim or um, LA would come into town and run Edmonton's show. Yep. That's what's the first period. The Oilers had their, sh- you know, the, the Montreal yeah. were the showrunners, mm-hmm. and and it, it was just. I hope we don't see a lot of periods like that this year, Bruce. I don't think we're going to, but um, that was that was a very tough period by the Montreal Canadiens, and I have to say, like. I've been poo-pooing the Montreal Canadiens on Twitter and on interviews and on this podcast. And I, I have to, they made me uh, eat those words because, man, that team looked good tonight. And um, I don't think, I, I think my problem is I've never seen Carey Price play well. So <laughs> so I'm a little under, I'm underestimating the Montreal Canadiens, but he, he was freaking awesome. Bruce, uh, let's go to your first bad thing now it's kind of related and i mean and this this is let's start here full credit to montreal they were flying they were yeah. they were overwhelmed the oilers with good hockey and credit where due uh but one of the things they did was expose edmonton's uh, trouble getting out of their own zone and they were forcing the play uh they were forcing mm-hmm. the, the the puck to go be funneled to places where edmonton didn't want to funnel it and they were uh forcing uh it to go to the players Edmonton probably didn't want it to go to. And they just controlled the play in Edmonton's zone or quickly they would they would turn it over in the neutral zone and pour back into the zone while Edmonton was struggling to make a partial line change. Like the, the uh, uh, it, was, it was, you know, it was a tour de force by the Montreal checkers. But uh, from an Edmonton perspective, it was poor. Uh, they were losing way too many battles Again, I'll say this is one of those games where it's a learning experience, or at least it better be, because if they don't learn from that game, they're going to get the snot kicked out of them again on Monday night. You know. What's your bad thing though? Edmonton's zone exits. They All the zone they, exits. Yeah, they just couldn't. They couldn't. Uh, uh, they couldn't make the plays crisply, and they were uh, they were forced to play in their own end of the ice for far too long. Too many turnovers. Behind their own blue line, too many soft passes, and like you say, credit to Montreal. But uh, Edmonton's supposed to be in the same league as Montreal that they should be able to play against that kind of pressure and make some things happen. And yeah, sorry, I was just a little, especially early in the game. A little distracted there because I'm just yeah, tweeting. I, I wrote the game grades already, and I just mm-hmm. don't tweeting them out. So, alrighty, uh, Bruce, my bad thing, my bad thing. Okay, I'm going to start with uh, the young guy, Caleb Jones, who I have had high expectations for heading into this season. He has not hit the ground running. He's looked tentative and nervous out there. And tonight, man, he against the team that was coming on, he did the exact worst thing. He gave them a power play by taking – with this stupid, is that the right word? With a, with an unnecessary, needless – the penalty and not the player. Yes. It was yeah. The the, the, the the stupid play, not the player. He's a smart yeah. guy and a smart mm-hmm. hockey player. Usually, that was a stupid penalty. And I'm I'm yeah, sure because they call that every time now. 
They do, and he it was an interference call. The guy Montreal guy dumps it in, and what does he do? He gets in his way and blocks him. You just know they're going to call that. And <laughs> sorry, and and you can't have that kind of mistake by Caleb Jones. You have a thought about that play? If, yeah, if you hit the guy right when he releases it on the dump in, that's one thing. And sometimes I call that, and I get upset. Yeah. But when the guy dumps it by you and he, he takes two steps and the defenseman's got two steamboats to think about it and he still gets in the guy's way and takes him into the board, it's a penalty. Yeah. I had zero problem with that call. I had zero problem as well. I mean, and, I, um, I didn't like to play, but I, I sure wasn't mad at the ref. Let's put it that way. Montreal's la- um, last goal as well. Uh, Jones loses a battle at the blue line. He didn't, it wasn't even a pinch in. It was just kind of a lost battle. He just was not, he just, you got to win those battles, man. And Pulley Arvey was also kind of floating around and not figuring out, the, like, he's got to cover for Jones as he's trying to make this battle. There was two goals, Bruce, that way this game, yeah. where, where, where Edmonton Oilers defensemen, they're supposed to pinch in the NHL these days. It's an aggressive league. If you do not pinch, you do not win. But the forwards have got to cover. And on the first one, RNH didn't cover for Nurse. And on this one, Pugliarvi failed to cover for Jones. And it was a breakaway for Thomas Tatar, who you do not want to have a breakaway. Although it would be nice if Miko Koskinen stopped the breakaway this year. I mean, I guess he has, but I'm just... Like he, anyway, but Jones, he just, he wasn't off. He's not on. He, I've seen him. I'm sure that I've seen a better player. Uh, in in last year, and he just seems like the moment's getting a little bit too much for him, and he better figure it out because there's Chris Russell and there's William Loggison who are itching to play, and I would not be surprised to see Caleb Jones sit next game and to see Russell in the game, Bruce, at all. No, I wouldn't be surprised to see Russell out there because, I mean, they have they have looked disorganized behind their own blue line, and they have, uh, you know, they've, they've been giving up too many uncontested shots and both we, of those things are, are uh, Chris Russell. Sorry, I don't know where my phone is, but it's going off. Uh, <laughs> anyway, there was Russell one play tonight with uh, with Jones where he actually made a, he did make a good play in his own end to possess the puck and to move it out of his zone. But he got into the neutral zone and he was looking around for what to do next with it. But he wasn't skating while he was doing it. And some Montreal guy came up right from behind him and just took it off him and back into the zone they went. I mean, so he wasted his good play, and it wound up being, you know, another attack by the by the Habs because he was indecisive and not moving while he was deciding. You know, I mean, that's a bad combination, and he and it kind of burned him there. He looked like a young defenseman on a few plays tonight, and I mean, in fairness, he is a young defenseman. But hey, well, uh, lessons lessons need to be learned, man. Bruce, he's in his fourth year as a pro. Like he's not that young. A defenseman like he's actually entering his prime years so mm-hmm. as, a, as a defenseman so he's got to get it he's got to and this is a confidence problem so like being negative like he's got to he's got to just make up his mind if you're not going to make it as an nhl caleb caleb jones at least go for it at least try to play your a game at least you know do it and with commitment and you know if you're not good enough then but i just see a tentative player out there so he's got to get over that but I could easily see Cuckoo could Larson next game. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, Cuckoo moving up into the top four, so to speak. And um, uh, who would we see? We'd see Russell and Barry. So those could be, I bet, I'm going to bet those are the line pairings for the next game, Bruce. We saw lots of pairings tonight. Yeah, and we in did. In the third period, we saw Jones and Bear playing together, the Bobsy Twins. 
that we've been following for all these years where, you know, every year it's one ahead of the other, but it's always been so close. Now here they are both in the NHL, and tonight they were both on the same pairing. But after they got burned for that breakaway goal by Tatar, Bear never saw the ice again. And I don't, I hope it wasn't a physical thing and it was just the coach giving him a breather after what was a very tough night for Ethan as well. What was your next bad thing, Bruce? Uh, I'm going to dump on Coach Dave Tippett a little bit. Uh, and he got out coached tonight by Claude Julien, who's an excellent coach. He used to be a Oilers minor coach years ago. Um, but that's not the thing. Uh, the thing with me is I absolutely don't understand this. Uh, why, in a garbage time in a game that Montreal is absolutely thumping Edmonton, there's no doubt, there's 0.0% doubt about who's going to win the game. Uh, and he's got one goalie left that, uh, you know, that's an NHL goalie. And he's been bombarded now with 111 shots in four days. Three games, four days, 111 shots. And he's got another goalie sitting on the bench who's never played a minute in the NHL. Why in the hell wouldn't you pull your starter, give him a breather in the third period, Bring in the young kid, let him get his feet wet, and then the next time, maybe you got to start him one game down the road while all this other mess is sorted out. I don't want his start to be his first ever minutes in the NHL. I'd rather see him deal with those nerves in a 4 nothing deficit situation where he's not going to be costing the team a game by making a mistake. I just don't understand it from either perspective. You rest Koskinen, you don't want to risk hurting Koskinen. Plus, you have the, the the chance to get the kid in in garbage time and let let him, uh, you know, make his make his debut under a little bit less than full pressure. I just do not understand this decision, David. I mean, coach knows stuff that we don't know. Maybe he's got his reasons. Maybe he's thinking, geez, the way Montreal's playing tonight, I could put him out there for one period and he could get totally lit up and get you know his confidence destroyed. That that could be. But, once so so was, let's imagine that that might have been in his head. So there might be a good well, reason. I had three points to pull him. One was the beginning of the third period. One was right after the 5 nothing goal. And one was at second TV timeout halfway through the period. Obviously, at that point, any comeback is totally off the table. They, weren't going, they could have played 10 periods against Carey Price tonight. And I don't think they would have got five goals, let alone in 10 minutes. And yet the change never came. And Koskinen just stayed in there and faced the rubber barrage until the end it just it just baffles me normally you know I, i'm one i like to try and think along with the manager and the coach say why are they making the decision they're doing as opposed to well i would do this why aren't they doing what i think it's more like well why are they doing what they're doing in this case i just don't understand why he did what he's doing so i'm going to label it a bad thing hopefully someone will ask him in the post-game presser why and maybe he'll give an explanation and maybe i will exonerate him then but right now i'm saying what are you doing? Here's another couple, Bruce. Um, mm-hmm. Zach Cassian, congratulations, Zach Cassian. Uh, I understand that your uh, your your uh, your wife had a baby today. Congratulations. Means you could he couldn't play hockey though, so they're missing already. Zach Cassian, they're big, they're physical force, right? Mm-hmm. Montreal's a pretty big team now, and I, I can understand. You know, we've been negative about Juju Kara, but if you're missing Zach Cassian, and suddenly you're kind of a smaller team because of that. Why take out Kara as well at the same time? So I didn't, I didn't like that. But Bruce, I'm gonna. I, this is my pet peeve with Tippett. I, I think I, 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 I still can't get my head around breaking up the dynamite line. And they're now two wins and six losses since they broke up the dynamite line before the last game of last season. 
I believe. That's I think that's correct. And Bruce, it's it is the simplest thing in sports. If you have something that the other team can't stop, you keep doing it until they stop it. That's how you that's that is the that is one of the iron rules of sports of, of and I think of successful coaching. And I think it is a it was a huge mistake of Tippett in the playoffs last year. And it's a I think it's a big mistake now. I just think you have that line, man. You have a line that can change the momentum of the game, win the momentum of, of the game repeatedly for your team with their skill and offensive ability. Go back to that line. And I know that you want to, they're trying to get line mates for McDavid, but I think Cahoon could play with McDavid just fine. And I, I you know, you know, Josh Archibald, that's the, that was the move oh. you're going to make. Go back to that. He Coach was playing, He was in Cassian's spot and doing the Cassian right. things of physics, you know, playing the body and trying to win puck battles in the corners. That was, I think, the concept. At least thought I understand why the coach made that choice. I don't get. Yeah, the I I know that yeah. I, I I get it too. But come on, like he's not the guy. Putting even Negard would. Yeah, would I'd be I think. interested in Negard now. You know, I just role. I'm not I, buying it. I'm not buying I'd the put Archibald. One in the net once in a while. Archibald and McDavid's line to me is like that's a, you're, you're loving Josh Archibald a little too much, coach. Even though he's a very lovable player because he hustles so hard, but he's he's a checker. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, all right. So my bad thing is. It's somewhat related to this. Well, I just kind of enunciated that it's 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 the, the orders had too many small forwards on the ice tonight. Who it, it, and I think that's why they had that decade of darkness feel to it, Bruce, where the they were just physically outmatched. I think a, a lot of the time. I don't know how the Montreal cycled the puck, uh, like how they were winning the puck constantly. Uh, it just seemed like, but it seemed like strong board play was a huge part yep. of it. And. Um, and the wingers on the orders were were unable to advance the puck out, and um, yeah. So I don't. I'm not going to name any of the small forwards in particular. It's just like the mix of your team was wrong tonight. The mix of this team was wrong tonight, and maybe they thought, oh, well, Montreal's big, and maybe they're we think they're a little bit slow, and we're just going to beat them with our speed. <laughs> if that was the plan, well, you you, you were going to have to outwork them in any case, and that and that didn't happen, and. Uh, yeah, Montreal just seemed to be the like it's it had that especially when like they were going up against these big defensemen like Joel Edmondson and Weber and, and Petrie's a big guy too. It just felt it had a little bit of that boys against men feel to it, and that's never a good feeling uh, when it's your team that's the boys. Bruce, yeah. are we on to the numbers? Yeah, let's go and do numbers. Uh, here, here's number? mine. Here's my number, one minute and three seconds. Uh, that was the average ice time of an Ethan Bear shift in this game. Uh, but he narrowly won uh, over Darnell Nurse, who averaged one minute uh, per shift. Three other D-men averaged over 50 seconds per shift. And only Slater Cuckoo kept it under 50 seconds at 46 seconds. So two long shifts for all of the defensemen. But it big huge part of the reason was that they got kept getting stuck in their own zone where they couldn't get out or they couldn't get over center so they could make it off to the bench and we have uh, in the cases of uh, uh, Ethan Bear who I highlighted there he had a shift in the first period two minutes and 19 seconds which not surprisingly included a Montreal goal and then he had a shift also in the first period of two minutes and 36 seconds like, that's how you build up those averages. He had a couple of shorter shifts later in the game, but overall he had six shifts that were longer than one minute. 
And to me, that's, you know, for a D-man, you don't mind even up to 50 seconds, but anything over than that, you, you know, they're sucking wind. And usually second to the puck and and uh, maybe a little bit softer on the puck battles and or the, you know, position battles and stuff in front of the net. And they just, it was more of a symptom than the disease, you know, like it, because they couldn't get the puck out, they couldn't get themselves off the ice and to the bench. But those long shifts were, uh, I mean, that's how it shows up statistically, that they were yeah. having a hell of a time getting out of their own end. It's, uh, the shift shift lengths become uh, too long. And, and if I'm not mistaken, have... Bruce, Bear mm-hmm. had a chance to get off the ice a couple, at least, uh, like I was Maybe. watching, like, there was one shift where he, like, why didn't you get off the ice? It was about halfway mm-hmm. through it. And... Uh, I just thought, yeah, this was part of the lack of, there was a bit of a lack of discipline on the orders in terms of short shifts. Um, and yeah. on the power play, we saw early in the second period, Bruce, the whole unit stayed out pretty much, I think it was pretty much the whole unit for the full right. two minutes. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, right. Montreal, right McDavid's, McDavid, instead of getting off the ice, Pugliarvi's out on the ice, he's full of energy, he's chasing after the puck, and there's McDavid, who's kind of tired, and they both kind of, Go for the same puck. McDavid should have been hightailing it to the bench there, if you ask me, to get off the ice. Because Pugliarvi might have won that puck. Anyway, there's a bit of a malfunction at the junction center ice, and the puck goes the other way. At least Edmondson didn't crush McDavid or Pugliarvi with a hit, because that looked like it was going to happen. But the puck went the other way. And then Nurse, Nurse, who was just fresh on the ice, goes for the big hit. He goes for the big hit. And Montreal goes in and scores. Like, it was... Ah, it was this lack of discipline through the whole game, Bruce. It was, that shift was typified by a lack of discipline, and it was very frustrating. Nurse was trying to respond to Edmondson's physicality. Thought, you're going to take a run at our guys, I'm going to take a run at your guys. And I understand that thinking, it's part of hockey. But he did not execute the hit, and he got neither really the man nor the puck, and he was caught out of position on the subsequent Montreal rush. I think that was the Tatar first Tatar goal, where the one with the great shot to the, it, it, to the, it was. the net from the, from the face-off dot, but uh, the hole was there because the Oilers were running around. That was a great shot. Like, I, it was enough, far enough out to the side, but I was inclined to say, is that really a great A scoring set shot? But it was a perfect shot. Like, great it was truly shot. a perfect shot. <laughs> it was, it was, it was like one of the dry sidle shots. So we will often say, like, if it was anyone else shooting the puck but Dreisaitl, we wouldn't count that as a grade-A yeah. shot. Be- because it's Dreisaitl, it's a grade-A shot. And Tatar's the same boat. Like, some players, you have to you have to account for skill in, in terms yeah. of beating the goalie. And anyone else shooting from there, they're not scoring. But there's a few guys who are scoring, and Tatar's one of them. Let's put it this way. Would you blame Koskinen on that goal? No. Not a, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't just, blame him. I, he just roofed I, it. From, <laughs> I did blame him on that. And he put it right in there, you know. I did blame him on that terrible rebound, Bruce. Like, come on, the one that he put in off Bear. Mm-hmm. That was a that was not a shot that he had to right put back into, into the, the slot. slot. That mm-hmm. was one that should have gone into like. That was not good. Anyway, right into his bread basket. Yeah, he's been pretty like even Koskin has been okay this year. Like, I don't know what his save percentage is. Probably not that great, but twelve goals on one hundred eleven uh, shots, so a little under nine hundred. Not good. All right, Bruce, my. Uh, We'll end on a bit of a high note, unless we return to the negative after I... 892. I, oh, 892, yeah. Ouch, ouch. You can't win. You cannot win. So my, mine is, my number is four, and that is the number of absolutely pretty scintillating 
uh, one-timer shots that Leon Dreisettle had on the power play. And normally he would definitely score on one of those, maybe oh two. Yeah. You know, his average, he's going to, I think for him, that's about a 35% shot, Bruce. I think we worked it out yeah. last year, actually. Yeah, yeah, one and that's three, a, basically. Yeah, it's about a one and three shot. So he could have got one or two goals in Price. That was a that was a fantastic goaltending performance by Carey Price. That really was. So good he for, made good one for of those one of those things. He came all. I was sure it was going to be a goal because they hit dry saddle and he just hammered it from the dot. And Price had to go all the way across from the right post to the left, and and he got over and he was waiting for that shot. And I just thought, you know, I I, I was very confident that one was going in the net. And I have to admit there was some expletives uttered in the McCurdy living room and the moments following that save, but they were expletives of admiration for Gary Price. Oh, like shuzz butter. <laughs> Things like, sort of like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was, was a, he reminded me of like Vladislav Trechak, like the, you know, like the crab in that, you know, that's what uh, I'm thinking Tarasov wanted to be. I'm thinking he heard you taunting him on one of our podcasts last year, but maybe... Maybe not. I don't think I've ta- have I taught. I, I think I've taught the Canadians, but I I have a healthy respect for Carey Price. I just never, well, I, like I, I said, I love Carey Price. But the night that his career save percentage against the Oilers fell from eight sixty one to eight sixty, you and I had a bit of fun with it. And it was, <laughs> uh, it was just one of those things. They played it in the dressing room before the game, and they were all just <laughs> we are going to show those cult of hockey faithful idiots. <laughs> Yeah, well, they got the last laugh tonight. We had it that night, uh, and it was uh, uh, it was uh, Montreal's game tonight. And you know, full credit to them; they fully deserved the two points. They deserved the three points that the league should be awarding for regulation wins because they convincingly won the game without need for any gimmick or anything else. They just flat out beat their opponent. Works for me, Bruce. Three points works for me. That's what they have in the EPL. And yep. uh, wouldn't mind and seeing all that. And all the IHF tournaments and leagues, European leagues, and only because it makes mathematical, logical, consistent accounting sense. So I've been on this soapbox for 20 years, and I ain't getting off till they fix it. And may you have 20 more years on that same soapbox. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they'll fix it. That'll be good. <laughs> they're not fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, yeah, they're not fixing it. Comes the uh, maybe they will. <laughs> finally, and it was weird because finally the shutout gets broken on kind of a B grade shot, right? Like uh, cuckoo shot. I, I rated it as a B shot because it was Bounce well outside. It off his head or? Yeah, but it was outside the scoring chance zone burst. Like you, you can have a look at sure. it. Maybe it was like a, yeah, he had a sec- It was a puck bounced right back to him, and it was a quick second. Yeah. Shot. You know, it was just a fluky, a bit of a fluky goal. Kind of, like, yeah, well, it was yeah, kind of so, sure. But he prices. Price was not too happy. He's thinking I should have had that, and I agreed. I think he should have had that. So, not not to upset you, Carey Price. You're a great goalie, and uh, we don't want to upset you in the least. We want I you to be happy, fat and happy, and, and complacent. So you you that was the game of the century. You're the best goalie we've ever seen, and uh, good luck to you in the future. All right. Let's see against Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce. Another Oilers season. It never isn't. It's always entertaining. Hopefully, it, it goes. Hopefully, it goes well. Hopefully, it goes well. I think it's. I still think it's going to go well. They really missed Cassian tonight. I have to say, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. They really missed the big guy. And there's there's people who think uh, the Oilers don't need Cassian. 
and maybe you're right, but they would if they didn't have Cassian, they would need a guy exactly like Zach Cassian or or a couple guys like that. You need big, tough, physical players in your lineup. And if you don't think that you need them, then uh, we disagree on uh, winning hockey in the NHL. You got to have a mix. Ken Holland says it. You got to have a mix, and All they right. didn't have a mix oh, yeah. tonight. They were a little bit off tonight in that. So I'll leave it there, Bruce. Any final thoughts? Back at it Monday night. So hopefully we'll do what they did against Vancouver and uh, drop some X's and O's and maybe change some matchups and uh, maybe switch the lineup around a little bit and find the combination that it's going to take. And maybe Montreal, on the other hand, will be a little fat and happy after having won the first game of the of the uh, two-game set and not play quite so well. And that combination will work in Edmonton's favor. But uh, sure needs to change from tonight because tonight uh, the better team won handily. Indeed. Thanks, Bruce. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this is another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.